Welcome to the IVF Before and After podcast, where we will talk about the emotional roller coaster journey we are about to embark on. Tune in to a series of podcasts on stories and tips to help you feel you are not alone on your fertility or parenting journey. We will openly discuss success and failure. We will attempt to pick you up when you are down and celebrate when your head's in the clouds. Kay Dempsey is your host. You can't wait to get started finding your way through IVF and parenting journey. Hello, welcome back to the Before and After podcast. I was reading the Becoming Michelle Obama. It was a Christmas present to me from my husband. And one of the chapters I got to was Michelle Obama speaking about her fertility. I felt it was quite an open chapter for someone in such a high status. Part of the chapter was about their date nights and they could continue on with our usual old conversations and old questions. But for her, some of the old questions about who she was and what she wanted to be in her life was starting to drift in, again, fixing themselves on the front of her mind. And I think they were, obviously, she describes that they're holding hands across the table and the candle is glowing on another Friday night, and that they are trying to get pregnant, and it wasn't going well. So what I would like to do here, and I'm not sure if some people have already read the chapter, but I'm going to read out some extracts of it, or most of it if I possibly can, because I think it will be open up some discussion for us. And we all know that it's, it's out in the media at the present moment, IVF, But really, is it? Or should it be? Is everyone jumping on the bandwagon of let's talk about fertility or infertility? So I would be interested on what's your opinions on this. And after I do this podcast, if you get in touch with me on your opinions, I'll put it on another podcast, which I think that'll be helpful for other people. So here goes... Becoming Us is the chapter. It turns out that even two committed go-getters with a deep love and a robust work ethic can't will themselves into being pregnant. Fertility is not something you conquer. Rather, maddingly, there's no straight line between effort and reward. For me and Barrack, This was as surprising as it was disappointing. No matter how hard we tried, we couldn't seem to come up with a pregnancy. For a while, I told myself it was simply an issue of access, the result of Barrick's comings and goings from Springfield. Our attempts at Procreation took place not in service of important monthly hormonal markers, but rather in concert with the Illinois' legislative schedule. This, I figured, was one thing we could try to fix. But our adjustments didn't work, even with Barrick flooring it up to the interstate after a late vote so that he could hit my ovulation window and even after the Senate went into summer recess and he was home and available full-time. 
After many years of taking careful precautions to avoid the pregnancies, I was now singularly dedicated to the opposite endeavour. I treated it like a mission. We had one pregnancy test come back positive, which caused us both to forget every worry and swoon with joy. But a couple of weeks later, I had a miscarriage, which left me physically uncomfortable and created an optimism we'd felt. Seeing women and their children walking happily along a street, I'd feel a pang of longing followed by a bruising wallop of inadequacy. The only comfort was that Barrack and I were living only about a block from Craig and his wife, who now had two beautiful children, Leslie and Avery. I found solace in dropping by to play and read stories with them. If I were to start a file on things nobody tells you about until you're right in the thick of them, I might begin with a miscarriages. Miscarriage is lonely, painful and demoralising, almost on a cellular level. When you have one, you will likely mistake it for a personal failure, which it is not, or a tragedy, which regardless of how utterly devastating it feels in the moment, it also is not. What nobody tells you is that miscarriage happens all the time to more women than you'd ever guess. Given the relative silence around it, I learned this only after I mentioned that I'd miscarried to a couple of friends who responded by heaping me with love and support and also their own miscarriage stories. It didn't take away the pain, but in unburying their own struggles, they steadied me during mine and helped me feel that what I'd been through was no more than a normal biological hiccup. A fertilised egg that for what was probably a very good reason had needed to bail out. One of these friends also steered me towards a fertility doctor whom she and her husband had used. Barak and I went in for exams and when we later sat down with the doctors, he told us there was no discreditable issue with either of us. The mystery of why we weren't getting pregnant would remain just that. He suggested that I try Clomid, a drug meant to stimulate egg production for a couple of months. When that didn't work, he recommended we move to vitro fertilisation. We were inordinately lucky that my university health insurance would cover most of the bill. It felt like having high stakes lottery ticket, only with the science involved. By the time the preliminary medical work was finished, Rather unfortunately, the state legislature had returned to its fall the session, swallowing up my sweet and attentive husband and leaving me largely on my own to manipulate my reproductive system into peak efficiency. This would involve giving myself a regime of daily shots over the course of several weeks. 
The plan was I'd administer first one drug to suppress my ovaries, and then later a new drug to stimulate them. The idea being that they'd then produce a cascade of viable eggs. All the work and the uncertainty involved me being anxious that I wanted a baby. It was a need that had never been there before. As a girl, when I grew tired of kissing the vinyl skin of baby dolls, I'd beg my mother to have another baby, a real one just for me. I promised I'd do all the work. It didn't. Obviously, but the point is, I'd been waiting a long time for this. I wanted a family, and Barrick wanted a family too, and now here I was, alone in the bathroom of our apartment, trying in the name of all that want to screw up the courage to plunge a syringe into my thigh. It was maybe then that I felt a first flicker of the resentment involving the politics and Barrick's unshakable commitment to the work. Or maybe it was just feeling the acute burden of being a female. Either way, he was gone and I was here, carrying the responsibility. I sensed already that the sacrifices would be more mine than his. In the weeks to come, he'd go about his regular business while I went in for my daily ultrasounds to monitor my eggs. He wouldn't have his blood drawn. He wouldn't have to cancel any meetings to have a cervical inspection. He was doting and invested my husband, doing what he could do. He read all the IVF literature and would talk to me all night about it. But his only actual duty was to show up at the doctor's office and provide some sperm. And then, if he chose, he could go for a martini. None of this was his fault. But it wasn't I equal either. And for any woman who lives by the mantra that equality is important, this can be a little confusing. It was me who'd altered everything, putting my passions and career dreams on hold to fulfil this piece of our dream. I found myself at a small moment of reckoning. Did I want it? Yes, I wanted it so much. And with this, I hoisted the needle and sank it into my flesh. About eight weeks later, I heard a sound that erased all traces of resentment. A swishing, watery heartbeat picked up on the ultrasound. We were pregnant. It was for real. Suddenly, the responsibility and relative sacrifice meant something completely different, like a landscape taking on new colours. All of the furniture in the house had been arranged so that everything appeared perfectly in place. I walked around with a secret inside me. This was my privilege, the gift of being female. I felt bright with the promise of what I carried.
I would feel this way right through, even as first trimester fatigue left me drained, as my job stayed busy and Barrett continued making his weekly treks to the state city. We had our outward lives, but now there was something inward happening, a baby growing, a tiny girl. We couldn't see her, but she was there, gaining in size and in spirit, as fall became winter and then became spring. That thing I'd felt, my envy for barracks, how utterly reversed it itself. He was on the outside while I got to live the process. I was the process. This small life was now throwing elbows and poking my bladder with her heel. I was never alone, never lonely. She was there, always, while I was driving to work, or chopping vegetables for a salad, or lying in bed at night, poring over the pages of what to expect when you're expecting for the 900th time. Summers in Chicago are special to me. I love how the sky stays light right into the evening, how late Michigan gets busy with sailboats and the, the heat ratchets up to a point that is almost impossible to recall the struggles of winter. I love how in the summer the business of politics slowly starts to go quiet and life tilts more towards fun. Though really, we'd have no control of anything. Somehow, in the end, it felt as if we'd timed it all perfectly. Very early in the morning, on July the 4th, 1998, I felt the first twinges of labour. Barrick and I checked into the University of Chicago Hospital, bringing both Mia, who'd flown in from Hawaii to be there, the with that week I was due, and my mum, for support. It would still be hours before the barbecue coals would start to blaze across the city and people would spread their blankets on the grass along the lakeshore, waving flags and waiting for the spectacle of the city fireworks to bloom over the water. We'd miss all that, this year anyway, lost in a whole new blaze and bloom. We were thinking not about country, but about family as Malia Anna Obama, one of the two most perfect babies ever to be born to anyone, anywhere dropped into our world. Motherhood became my motivator. It dictated my moments, my decisions, the rhythm of every day. It took no time, no thought at all for me to be fully consumed by my new role as a mother. I'm a detailed-oriented person and a baby is nothing if not a reservoir of details. We studied little Mia, taking in the mystery of her rosebud lips, her dark fuzzy hair and unfocused gaze, the herky-jerky way she moved her tiny limbs. We bathed her and swaddled her and kept her pressed to her chest. We tracked her eating, her hours of sleep, her every gurgle. 
we analyse the contents of every soiled damper as if it might tell us all her secrets. She was a tiny person, a person entrusted to us. I was heedy with the responsibility of it, fully in her thrall. I could lose an hour just watching her breathe. When there's a baby in a house, time stretches and contracts abiding by none of the regular rules. A single day can feel endless and then suddenly six months has blown right past. Barak and I laughed about what parenthood had done to us, as if we'd spent the dinner hour parasizing the intricacies of the juvenile justice system, comparing what I'd learned during my stint at public allies with some of the ideas he was trying to fit into a reform bill in the legislation. We now, with no less fervour, debated whether Mia was too dependent on her pacifier and compared our respective methods for getting her to sleep. We were, as most new parents are, obsessive with a little boring and nothing made us happier. We hauled little Malia in her baby carrier with us to our favourite restaurant, Zinfandel, for our Friday night dates figuring out how to streamline our order so we could be in and out more quickly before she got too restless. Several months later, I returned to work. I negotiated to come back part-time. I figured this would be a win-win sort of arrangement, that I could now be both career woman and the perfect mother. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to IVF Before and After on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. Head over to the Facebook community page IVF Before and After or to the website www.ivfbeforeandafter.com for fantastic free stuff.